0: For the time of Christmas, we're we're in a Christmas series uh, that we're entitled Peace on Earth, and we're going to start it this morning. But uh, one of the thoughts has been, well, you know that Christmas falls on a Sunday this year, and Christmas is one of those times of year where you may have a friend or colleague or neighbor who might be willing to talk about the Lord in a... A slightly different way this time of year. I mean, Christ is in the name of the, the, the phrase. So uh, we want to encourage you that way. But in our thinking about it, we did not think that you were likely to uh, be able to say, why don't you come out to church on Christmas Sunday? Uh, because family traditions have a lot of pull. So what we're doing is, uh, this card invites helps, helps you to invite somebody to December 18th. That's the Sunday before Christmas sort of come to Christmas early, a week early. And uh, it's just an invitation for them to come to church. This whole series will be uh, sensitive to someone who's unfamiliar with Christ or may have a lot of questions or concerns. And uh, this is our way of, you know, in the since the fall of, Lord, help me remember who I once was. Lord, help me wake up each day with a renewed sense of love for others. This is one of those ways for us to sort of help along the challenge of inviting. So, so what is successful here? Success is not how many people come to church with this card. That's not, uh, I think your, my heart for you would be that some point in this season, whether it's this idea or a different idea, is you would extend yourself towards somebody on behalf of God's kingdom. That's success. Success is you taking a, a little more time to think, is there, is there a, a way that I could turn a conversation that I'm presently in? Is there a, a way that I could ex- extend uh, a gracious spirit towards a person who um, may not be your friend, maybe needs kindness more than others in the office? So it's, it's really, think symbolically, how you pass this, that I think the Lord is most care, cares about, and, and he handles the, the harvest. So this is just a, another way for you to be thoughtful. If you need more, they're in the hallway there. Um, and we'll try to do this several times a year, try to have uh, seasons or times that are particularly sensitive to um, those outside our, our family. So, Okay, Luke chapter 2. And we're going to come across a word today. The word is peace. The series that we're in, the Christmas series, is around this word peace. And so I, I thought I'd start by inviting you to think about how that word makes you feel. If you can think of times in your life where you were most at peace or experiences that make you feel at peace, what are they? Just get, maybe try to follow that in your mind. For me, uh, I I love festive moments, so Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve are probably my two favorite days of the year, next to my birthday. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 the feeling in the like a Thanksgiving evening when you're sort of eating the meal again and you're on your third piece of pie and you're like in a coma and everybody's just shutting down, that is, that is what peace feels like to me. Even Christmas Eve, because we do a lot of present unwrapping on Christmas Eve when I don't care that there's like trash all over the place, sort of the wreckage of Christmas Eve where there's sort of, uh, and we, we we're, I'm grateful my, my children are a thankful bunch. So it, it, it is a joyous time. And just to sit in all of the wrapping is special. Years are different, but I'm just sort of trying to help us along the way here. Uh, sleeping out under the stars for me by a fire is peace. That is uh, special times in my life where you just, you know, there's. I was once in the desert of Southern California. I mean, the wide open desert. Laying down, looking up, counting satellites. The sky was so dark you could watch satellites go by with the fire. I mean, that's peace. Oddly enough, in the preparation of this series, just thinking about peace, the memory that kept climbing to the front, I, I can't even believe where it came from. It was, it's, uh, but it, it is that sort of the thought that takes over typically when I was a young boy it's the memory of me being at my grandma's house in Abbeville, Louisiana and she would tuck us in and she had such a sweet voice and she'd tuck you in and she'd kiss you on the cheek and she'd say you're snug as a bug in a rug and that's it like that's that's peace for me to be snug as a bug in a rug um We're going to read about the shepherds. The shepherds are watching over the flocks at night. I mean, that's a peaceful image, isn't it? It's a postcard. Shepherds watching over the flock by night. Silent Night is a, is a song, a peaceful song. I mean, Christmas Eve comes. We're going to light candles and turn the lights down. And we're going to sing that song together. It even ends, sleep in heavenly peace. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> sleep in heavenly peace. Peace. Do you know the second verse of that song? Silent night, holy night. Shepherds quake. It is one of those tune lyric collisions. The lyrics have no business being in that tune. Shepherds quake at the sight. It's describing Luke 2. Here were the shepherds, and they're out shepherding their flocks at night. It's quiet. You know, you can imagine they're visiting every now and then. You hear going on. You know, it's just very peaceful. And then all of the sudden, the sky explodes. This beam of light. You've seen this if you've watched alien movies. This has happened. There's the farmer out in the field, and the the shutters start to rattle. He goes out, and a beam of light comes down. Spaceship and aliens and terrible things happen. That is Luke 2. In fact, the angel has to say, he didn't say it this way, but he essentially has to say, I'm not an alien. <laughs> well, watch, let me just read it to you, okay? Verse 8, this is the peaceful part. And in the same region were the shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks, flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. among those with whom he is pleased. It is ironic to me that the angel disrupts the peace of the shepherds to bring a message of peace. I mean, that's what happened. Is It's worth noting, there's a difference, and this is where we're gonna spend time today, there's a difference between, between feeling at peace, the feeling of peacefulness, You know, the coziness that we liken to peace and the herald from the angels that peace is coming. The herald is very disruptive, is very uncomfortable, is, in this moment, is explosive and it's bright, but it's it's overturning what would otherwise be the peaceful evening of the shepherds. Throughout this season, we're going to spend time on the concept of peace. We'll talk about peacemaking. We'll talk about false examples of peace. Um, This morning, what I'd like to do, though, is simply focus on the word. What is it? What is our expectation? And and what is wrapped up in peace? Because you, you should realize... When the angel says in fourteen, when the multitude of angels say in fourteen, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. The the heavenly hosts are wrapping up the work of Jesus underneath the word peace. All of what he's going to be doing, they express with one word, and that's peace. That's a big word. In the Old Testament, in the word they would have heard from the angels, peace was kept in a very big word, and that word was shalom. It's a deep word. That's what the angels, that's what the shepherds would have heard. That's what the angels would have said to them is shalom. Shalom is a pregnant word. It's a word that, is so big that anytime you use it, you're just using part of it. You're using, it has to be used in context. So over here, you would write shalom to mean one thing, and over here, you write to mean another thing. And anytime you're reading it, like in context, you're only reading part of the bigger idea. So that when shalom is written in the Old Testament, we translate it in various different ways. We will usually write peace, but sometimes we write welfare, sometimes we write prosperity. Sometimes you write care. Some translations will on occasion write friendship or friend, like a person of peace. Some translations will even capture the meaning to mean rest. Lots of different meanings. Because it's... It's so big. The word implies by itself, the word implies wholeness, completeness, lacking nothing. See, it's going in some ways beyond a feeling here. To be ordered rightly is to be at peace. As it should be is to be at peace. Harmony is a word that reaches towards the idea of shalom. It's not simply a feeling, it is a right ordering. This is why there could be a person who has everything, has no need in the world and is still not at peace because this person's life is out of order. Idolatry in a lot of ways is life out of order. You could have all the pieces for a peaceful life But when they're in the wrong place, there cannot be real peace. This is also why a person who may not have that much could have peace because his life is ordered well before the Lord. The word peace is used to describe the end of things or the purpose of things, the destination of a thing. When Paul the Apostle writes his letters, he almost always welcomes the letter with grace and peace be to you. May you have grace, right? When the mercy of God be upon you, and may the shalom of God be with you. It's a big idea. May you be well-ordered. May you... Be right before God. May everything in your whole being be correctly situated with the divine. Shalom. You will say of, of someone uh, in the Old Testament, it'll say, and he rested in peace with his fathers. That's how it describes the death of a person. It's a destination. It's a life lived well, he rested in Peace. We've certainly held on to some of that. When the angels here in Luke 2 sing, for one, I, I love, <laughs> I, I should say, I just love knowing the Bible more every day. It's, I'm so grateful to God. But to see, anytime God moves, heaven sings. It's just, it's beautiful. And how do they sing? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, shalom. It's the destination, it's a goal. It's a pronouncement of what God is doing. I want to make clear that it is more than a feeling. Very often in... The Christian life, our inclination is to describe our faith with God or our relationship with God with how we feel, how He makes us feel. Peace, shalom, the true shalom of God is, I'm not saying it doesn't affect feeling, I'm not saying that it doesn't translate at times in how we feel, I'm saying it's more than that. It is a thing, it is a right ordering before the Lord it's being right before the lord it's not just being snug as a bug in a rug i want to show you a deeper concept this morning we're just focusing on the word shalom getting a uh, impressing it on us and being impressed by it because it is such an important concept If you look in the back of your Bible, some of you, if you spend a lot of money on a Bible, you'll have a glossary or a concordance. A glossary just defines terms. A concordance is sort of a word search tool. So word peace, you can go in the back. Most people don't care about this anymore because they have an iPhone. You can do the same thing, okay? just search on your Bible app and it'll do a similar concordance sort of thing. That is really not part of your Bible. It's part of your book, but it's not part of the Bible. What I mean to say is there's no original Hebrew concordance, okay? It's the Bible ends, and those were tools that have been given to us in our time, in our culture, that help us think in our way as we explore the Bible. So when we want to understand a concept like peace, our natural possibility in our culture is to word search it. That's not how, we should know for a second, That's fine, but it's not how the Bible taught the Bible to its own people. The Bible, God, did not give us a, a list of divinely inspired concepts that if we could memorize these concepts, we'd have a vibrant faith with the Lord. No, what the Lord did is he worked divinely in history to tell us a true and glorious narrative that shared his nature with us. And that's how people, that that is the best way to know God, is to dive into his given narrative of history and to know the stories. And so the Hebrew people understood the deepness of terms or concepts, not by researching a word necessarily, but by embracing a part of the story that rose to have thematic significance. The Passover, thematic significance. Sacrifice, thematic significance. Priesthood, thematic significance. The mountain of God, these sorts of things have they grow to significance and then the people of God see them all over the place and, f- and garner meaning from them. And I, I'm saying this because I think the best place to embrace shalom is in a narrative that doesn't even use the word. But I think it is the most important story in scripture that describes the peace of God and that's creation. God descri- God builds shalom in Genesis 1. And then for the rest of the Bible, hearkens to it. In Genesis 1, right, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then the very first picture, the very first mind's eye picture that we get after that is, And the earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the deep. And the, the word there, deep, is the chaos. The Hebrew sea, sea chaos, deep, same word. You see, God is not, like most pagan religions, he's not coming out like a phoenix out of the chaos. He's above it, he's aloof to it, he pre-exists it, he's God over it, and he speaks to it. And God speaks, and as God speaks through the rhythm of creation, shalom starts to, right, the chaotic, the things that are not rightly ordered, the things that are not as they should be, become as they should be. Every time God speaks, it's more as it should be. Day after day, more as it should be. Wholeness comes out, fullness, rightness, yesness, goodness, as it should be-ness. All of that is rising, teeming, thriving, separating, coagulating. It's all working. The description is things are not, before God speaks, it's a mess. When God is done, he rests because everything is as it should be. That is shalom. When God gives the Hebrews the promised land, the promise of a land, you say it that way, you know how he describes it? He describes it like a garden flowing with milk and honey, a good and spacious place. Why? Because the concept of shalom is wrapped in Eden, in paradise. In paradise, God was with man and man was with God and everything was rightly ordered just as it should be. It's harmony. And the image follows us all through the word. You know, the last page of your Bible has this in it, right? And Jesus says, behold, I'm making everything new, (laughs) a new creation. And what do we see? We see an image that's very much like paradise except for two things. There is no sea. It says, and there's no sea and there's no nighttime. Those are the two images of chaos in scripture. At the very end, shalom. That's the picture. And it's using the images. There's no sea, there's no darkness, and there is a tree of life the last page and the first page are you might say the same place i'm not going to like push too hard here but you almost concede in Luke chapter 2 the thematic significance okay you would we would do well as followers of god to wear his stories and then you see them all over the place but shepherds at night, what happens? Light breaks forth, noise, and the message of God comes. I mean, it's almost like a recreative moment. The angels are saying, as we speak to you, the word is becoming flesh right there. And then there's the joy of the angels that ha- they have to worship. It's such a great moment. We got to worship. Shalom. Peace is not a feeling, it's a thing. Shalom, the the peace of God is when creation is rightly ordered beneath Him. Christ makes that possible. Christ reconciles, right? We are out of the garden. We're way out of the garden. We're so far east of the garden and Christ has come to call us back, right? Come be well-ordered with my Father. That is, that's the message of the cross is that this barrier, those who were far off are brought to peace. Those who were near have been brought to peace through the blood of Christ. This is why even in the faith, there's times that I still, we still have lives to live before the Lord because he's slowly ordering us from head to toe, encountering something, making it right, encountering something, making it right. The shalom of God, may the peace of God dwell in you richly. The rest of my life, learning God's peace. It's not a feeling It's not essentially a feeling. I think that's important because there's some things in life that make us feel good. They may even be good, but they're, they're not essential. And there are some things in life that make us feel good that are not good. And as the peace of God dwells in us richly, he will disrupt those things. So, in some ways, and we'll spend more time on this in the subsequent weeks, but God's peace comes to wage war with things in us that have been giving us false peace. It's not simply a feeling. It means it's a message that you and God are right with one another. That God is not angry with you, that God is on your side, and he is at work in you. That is shalom. And that he wins, that he will prevail. And with his victory, you will stand with him. That is shalom that he will one day bring us to, think of the images, a great banquet table. That is an image of shalom. A great wedding feast. Shalom. A new city where the gates are never closed. Shalom. This is what Mark 14 says or excuse me, John 14. This This is Jesus speaking. This is the night before, the night he was betrayed. This is in the upper room as he's sharing his last supper. So as he's about to say, this is my body which is given to you. In John 14, he says this, and I'll just read it real quickly. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And then he says this, not as the world gives do I give to you, in other words, I'm giving you my peace, not not a lesser peace, not a knockoff peace, not an out, not something that's short-lived. I give you my peace. He follows that up with, "Let not your hearts be troubled, nor let them be afraid." The peace of God, when it lands in your soul, will, is like a rock thrown in a still pond. It creates a reverberation that is, reaches out and changes things. And some things, some things in your life where there's conflict, it may correct and bring peace. Some things in your life where there's a disruption, it may bring calmness. Some things in their life where there's noise, it may bring quietness. And some things in their life where there's peace, it may shake. And it's worth, just as as we sort of back away from the word peace, we should recognize there's our peace with the Father, peace with God, and that's what's being heralded here, which even an atheist would say, if there is a God, peace with God is the most important thing. So there is this great idea of peace with God, but then you and I all have lesser pieces i have a I have a relationship with my wife I have children I have coworkers I have other relationships and friends, and we have various sorts various measures experiences of peace that are right up close to us. we see them every day they're even if God is louder, sometimes he feels so far away that what's up close gets the attention. As we approach the Lord's table today, my question would be to you. I guess I would have three. One would be to those who are in peace, who feel at peace. I guess I would just ask, are you, are you, is the peace you have, is it God's peace? I don't doubt it. I, I just wanted to know, is the peace you experience from the Lord or is it, is it possibly from the relative sort of good life security you have around yourself? Because that stuff's right up close. And it can give a sensation that everything's fine. I mean, you might want to say, you might want to just, in your own mind, pull one of those away. Pull one of those legs out from that table. Does the table fall? Because peace with God surpasses. When those things do fall, the peace of God comes in. So to those of you who have peace, I just—it's a. This is a good moment, especially as we approach the Lord's table, to say, "Lord, may it may the peace I have be your peace. May I not rely on lesser good things. Maybe this, I guess the second question I would ask is: those of you who may say, "Well, I don't really feel like I'm at peace with the Lord." Like, there is no peace, and I don't feel like I'm at peace with God. That's where I would, I would want to make sure, first of all, that the news of Jesus has been rightly said to you, that God is not against you, that Christ has come for you, that there is no place for shame. God does not market your shame and guilt. He saves you from your sin. Christ came to bring peace. I would, you should know that today, especially if, as we consider the table here. And then the third, and, and we'll pray with this in mind, would be those of us who feel at peace with God, but <laughs> the things that are right in front of us, whether it's in a relationship or a need, there's so there may be something that's so messed up or so disrupted or some conflict, some relationship close that, You know you have God, but you don't feel peace because this is right here. Have you, maybe you haven't if you're not a parent, as a parent, there's times I see one of my children nervous about something, learning to dive off a diving board, for example. It's two feet, there's water, there's no possible way of injury. Really all this fear, and I'm in the water treading water. Like I'm right ready, I'll catch you. Like you're going to land on me. In fact, and I'm right here. And I am aware, as their father, that there really this is a moment of peace. There really is nothing to fear. But they are not experiencing peace because they see the harm. That is not even present. Like they are perfectly safe. I just wonder is, is, is that you today? Is there someone here who I know I have a good father? I know God loves me. I know he's here for me, but that, that scares me. You should bring that to the table. Because we want to be well ordered before the Lord. We want to be as we should be for Him. We want to be whole. We want to be complete. We want the peace of God to dwell in us richly. That's what we want. Let's pray. Lord, it is our hope and desire that the world would know your peace that you'd use us to share that peace. Likewise, Lord, it's our prayer, and we pray it for one another because sometimes we can't even pray it for ourselves, that you would disrupt the things in our life, that you would break the things in our life that give us false peace or false security or false hope so that we are reliant on you. Root it out in us, Lord, because if we're ordered around them, then we're not well-ordered. And finally, Lord, we lift up those here who know of your peace, but it just feels far away right now because the problem that they have is so close, whether it's a family member or an illness or job or part of their own sense of who they are, Lord. I pray, Lord, in your spirit, you would come to them. Show them grace and love. Lord, because we don't need the feeling of peace. We need to be in your peace. Well order us, Lord, for your good.